Thus Esau despised his birthright. May be seated in the presence of the Lord. Uh, verse number one says, Jacob says, Sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to be? For a few moments, I want to talk to this thought living beyond the moment. Living beyond the moment. Living beyond the moment. I think it's safe to say, my brothers and sisters, that all of us have had occasion in our lives where we got caught up in the moment. When we look back in the rearview mirror, we wish we could go back and undo what we did. To probably reprocess our thoughts, to speak differently, to take a different course of action. We know what it's like to be in a moment of frustration and began to vent things come out of our lips. We wish we could take that. We know what it's like to be in a moment of anger and express ourselves in ways that don't necessarily align with our character, our normal disposition. We all know what it's like to be in a moment where flesh and temptation and luring of the world pulls us away from the will of God. Afterwards, we hang our heads in shame and say, what was I thinking? How could I have gotten into that predicament? The reality is, don't beat yourself up. We've all had that moment. The reality is this, in life, there are those who got caught, and those who didn't. But if you check our resume, if you check our travel logs, if you check our time sheet, you will find all of us have succumbed to moments of temptation. It is our proclivity that when we get into these moments, that we make irrational, impulsive decisions. And any decision that's made on impulse is more than likely not a wise one. Any decision made in a moment without any thought prior to the moment will most likely end up being a moment that you wish you could take back. I remember one of my favorite scenes, one of my favorite movies, coming to America, the first one. Where Eddie Murphy and Sharon Hadley, Lisa and Prince King were sitting out in the backyard of Lisa's father's house. Right after the announcement of an arranged marriage where the father and her boyfriend got together and decided that uh, Lisa was going to marry her boyfriend. Lisa gets mad and she begins to voice her frustration in a moment. And then she goes out and sits on the swing. Eddie Murphy and King comes out to sit with her. And he asks, she asks that question, do you think I overreacted? And he said, normally the first reaction is the right one. I want to just you. That line may have played well in that plot, in that particular scene, but in life, your first reaction is normally not the right reaction. Most of the time, our first reactions are reactions that we wish we could take back. And therefore, we must be mindful of the moments in our lives that we don't make impulsive, irrational decisions that can detour us from where God has divinely ordained us to be. The enemy, the devil, specializes in creating moments of uh, tension. 
teach you and falsehood the sins is that deter us from God's will. Therefore, believers must be mindful of moments of temptation that lead us to forfeiting our future. We'll say it again, believers must be mindful of moments of temptation that lead us to forfeiting our future. We see this play out very vividly in this text this morning. Isaac, the promised son, seems to be having the same issues that his parents had. Abraham, and Abram at the time of Sarah, could not conceive. In fact, Bible even says that this particular occurrence between Abraham and Sarah that Sarah's womb was barren. And we know from this tonight, and even from our Bible knowledge, what Abraham and Hagar decided to do. They decided to help God out by listening to help Mosaic's mother by the name of Hagar, who is uh, an Egyptian slave girl that was serving Sarah from the Egyptian splurge or the Egyptian ransom that Abraham received from Genesis chapter 12. Well, since they helped her out, they decided to make some decisions. And Isaac has learned from his daddy's mistakes. So Isaac is facing the same predicaments. Rebecca, his wife, is unable to conceive a child. But instead of doing what his father and his mother did, he does the right thing. The Bible says that he prayed for his wife. He prayed for the Lord to uh, help them to conceive and God answers their prayer. The Bible says that Rebecca Isaac's wife conceives. And she has a very trying pregnancy. Any pregnancy has its own difficulties. But in this particular one, it got so hard that Rebecca goes to the Lord. And she asks the Lord, if this is thus, if this is your will, if this is you divinely working in our lives, give us what we desire. If this was your doing, Lord, then why is it so hard? I don't have time to park here too long, but I think all of us have been there before. Where we pray for God to do something. And God began to move in our lives. And for some reason, we felt that if God's will had been performed in our lives, then we would be on easy street and we could just cruise down life's highway. But when God's will began to manifest in our lives, when God began to work within us, we began to recognize that God's will oftentimes comes from the And it's not always easy. Giving birth to whatever God has placed inside of you. It's not always easy, my brothers and sisters, to be able to manifest God's will in your life. And one thing we must do is stop making people feel that if I get the will of God, then things are supposed to be easy. She goes to God and says, This is your will. Why is this happening to you? God gives her an answer. He says, Two nations. Are at war within you. He says that one will be stronger than the other, and the younger will serve the older. Or the older will serve the younger. The Bible says that at the end of the breakfast, she gives birth. And we see this wrestling that's going on within her begin to take place, even coming out of the birth today. The first son is a man who's red and hairy, and they call his name Esau because that is a play on the Hebrew word which means red. And then, while he's coming out, shuffling that out, there's a hand that is attached to his heel. And the other brother comes out right after, as if there's a struggle to get out first. And they call his name Jacob, which some people say means trickster, but in the original language, it really means to break out back And she's giving birth to these two boys. Esau is older. Uh, uh, Jacob is the younger. 
And the Bible says that uh, it plays out the way God predicted. Esau is a man that loves to be outdoors. He, he gives this uh, imagery of a muscular man, a man who loves to loves to go out and have day. He, he's very hairy, very broody. He, he, he looks like a outdoors while Jacob has a different look and a different disdemeanor. Jacob perhaps is baby-faced. Uh, not very muscular. But the Bible simply says that he is quiet. He's not as loud as Esau is. And he loves to dwell in the tents. So he's not one who loves to go outdoors, but he'll rather hang around inside. And as a result of this, my brothers and my sisters, the Bible says that uh, Jacob is loved by his mother. It means that Rebecca takes a particular liking to Jacob. And conversely, Isaac um, begins to take a liking to Esau because he loved the game that Esau would bring home. So, my brothers and sisters, uh, Jacob, who may be what we would describe as a mama's boy, not in a negative sense, but just the fact that he spends more time with his mother. One day decides that he's going to make some lunch, make some of his uh, famous stew. It had to be good. It had to be a recipe that Esau had tasted before. The Bible says that Esau is out getting gay, out hunting, while Jacob is at home making a stew. And when Esau comes in, the Bible says he looks at the stew and he asks his brother Jacob, let me have some of that stew. The Bible then says that Jacob looks at Esau and says, you can have this stew. But it's going to cost you something. Uh, sell me your birthright. Understand, my brothers and my sisters, that the birthright is very important. Because it means that whoever is the eldest receives all that comes from the father. That he becomes the one through which the family would continue its lineage. He becomes the one who inherits all of the wealth and also the power. He is the one who will be the shot caller in his hip. You would look at a royal family and know that a prince may have multiple sons, but it's only the first son who can inherit the throne. This is not even like just, this is not asking for $20. This is not asking for a step. He's asking him to give him something that gives him priority, that makes him special, that makes him unique, that guarantees that he will have a future, that guarantees stability and respect and longevity in the future from resources and livelihood. He's asking him to for his future. The Bible says Jacob asked him, Esau looks around and said, Man, I'm so hungry, I'm about to die. Give me, give me that stew. Uh, you know, if I don't get stew, I'm not going to make it. The birthright ain't going to help me anyway. So that's give me some of that stew. And the Bible literally says that he took it, drunk it, ate it, took it, drunk it, and then went out. He said he despised. His birthright means that he had little regard for it. He devalued it. He acted as if it was nothing. He just discounted it. He gave away something luxurious, luxurious on a discount price because he didn't understand what he had. And he gave it up in one. Moment. One moment changes everything. One moment changes the day. 
where he could not see beyond the moment. People tell us, live in the moment. Live in the moment. Live where your feet are. And I, and I think there's some wisdom to that, but I want to suggest you this morning that it's not just about you and I living in the moment. We have to learn how to see beyond the moment. We have to see what we do in the moment. How? In front of the fact, the moment that follows afterwards. You can't just get caught up in the moment. You have to make sure that in life you enjoy the moment, but you always have an eye toward the future. The Bible shows us in the text how we can forfeit everything in the moment. There's a couple things that we learn that help us live beyond the moment of our temptation. Help us ensure that we don't get so caught up in the moment where our flesh takes the best of the best of us and calls us to forfeit what God has promised. Well, the first thing is this. If you're going to live beyond the moment, recognize that the enemy is studying you. The enemy is studying you. The Bible says, that uh, Satan is like a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, a thief is different from robbers. Robbers don't kill. Robbers are thuggish. Robbers, my brothers and my sisters, look a certain way on uh, television and movies. They just bust in. It don't matter what you're at home. It doesn't matter what you are out there. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. They will rob you in ball daylight. They will rob you in a parking lot. They will rob you anywhere at any time in a piece. It's more sophisticated. He or she doesn't look like what a robber will look like. Some thieves wear designer suits and dresses in corner offices in corporate America. And they are scheming every day. And are thieving from other people's money in order to enrich themselves. Don't look like a threat. But they have been studying by that portfolios long enough to figure out how I can do it and get a with it. These are sophisticated. They can live right next door. Smile at you. Tell you how to watch your house. You start trusting them. Don't give them a key. Well, you know, just in case something happened and I can't get in, I, I, I want you to have a key so that you can have access to home. And they just smile and they bring pies and chicken and they take my two more for that cookout. And one day you decide to leave town and you come back home and everything's gone. These are sophisticated. They study you. They know your habits. They know uh, where you are more vulnerable at. They, they, they study uh, when your guard is down. They understand your way of thinking. They, they understand who you think is a threat and who you don't think is a threat. And a thief sits there and they began to plot plan in order to get what they want and rob you of something right now. Yeah, this is 
to cause us to get so 
you. That's your cup. That, 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 that's your name. Oh. Then you go start looking. And we got a good sale going on right now. And if you sign up for this car, you can get an additional 20% off the tail price. So you might get this and you might not spend that this And it goes good on you. And guess what? People that look at this, if everybody look at this, now I tell you, everybody can come by looking at it, and I don't know how much longer it's going to be here. But let me think about it. I come back tomorrow. Well, no, you come back tomorrow, but it may not be here tomorrow. They really say it's not going to be here tomorrow. I don't think this condition of the no sale, but what they really are trying to do is do this song. That you'd have rolled off the parking lot with a bill. <laughs> you'd have walked out the store with bags and bags and bowls and knowing you already got too much stuff in your closet as it is right now. But here you go, carrying more bags and bags and bags back home with clothing in it. You go and get another tool and you already got more tools. Do you have room for the tools that you don't even use? Esau sold him his 
Jesus and the Lord is going to work it out and the Lord has given you promises the Lord has given you rational capacity the Lord has given you intellect the Lord has given you insight the Lord has given you perception but you're so spiritual that you just going to pray and I'm going to leave it alone the Bible says watch and pray that means you got to pray but God does not want you to be ignorant about what's going on. You got to pray, but God is going to show you some stuff so that He can tell you how you need to handle it. It's not always that God is going to handle it for you. Sometimes God gives you warning before destruction. You got to pray, but you got to watch. And then you got to watch. You can see it. And then you got to pray and say, Lord, show me how to handle it. Show me what to say. Show me how to respond. Show me when to move. Sometimes God will show you something and get you sit on it. Y'all don't get me this morning. Sometimes God will show you something and tell you, don't you say anything right now. God will show you something and tell you, be patient. Don't try to make it happen. Don't try to undermine. Just be patient. I'm showing you. But all you have to do is wait. And then sometimes God will show you something. And God will say, speak. Sometimes God will show you something. And God will say, move. Sometimes God will show you something. But then now, when time, you got to watch and you got to watch. There's always going to be beyond these moments. Because this coming, I don't care who you are. You can be pastor, reverend, bishop, minister. It's coming. The devil knows what you like. The devil knows how to present it to you. Y'all don't hear me this morning. It's coming. It may come through a text message, but it's coming. It may come through an inbox, but it's coming. It may come through a knock at your door, but it's coming. It may come in the mail, but it's coming. The
not to temptation. For yielding is sin. But you know what it says? Each victory will help you. Some other to win. So we got to fight. Man for the Lord. Your passions subdue. Then look at up to Jesus. And he will carry you through. Because you must ask the Savior to help you. To comfort, strengthen, and keep you. And he prayed, and he submitted to the weak. 
I want to look my life and look like right 